back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast, and this is Jonathan, your host uh, here at the Redbeard Outdoors. And uh, today we're going to talk about the next couple days of my elk archery hunt here in Utah uh, for 2021. And just want to continue the basically the story and let you guys know how it's going, the lessons that I've learned. If you're not interested in hunting, uh, I apologize. Not really. <laughs> I hope you get something out of this, and I hope you you learn something as well as far as what it takes uh, for those who are out there and are successful consistently. It's not easy, and hopefully you learn a little bit and know a little bit more as to what what it is to be an archery hunter, a bow hunter in general, uh, and more specifically with elk uh, as we're talking about that right now. I just wanted to say uh, welcome back to all those who are listening consistently. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your support. And for those that may be new, uh, I just ask that you please, if you got something out of this, if you enjoy it, you laugh at my dad jokes, or you learn something new, uh, just share it with other people. Let them know there's a normal guy that has a red beard that loves being outdoors and takes his family and friends along for the ride. And that's what I'm here to do, is to hopefully help you live a happier life and to get outdoors. So, today I want to talk a little bit about, this will be day 5 through 9 of my elk hunt 2021. And more lessons that I learned, more experiences that I had, ups and downs of it, and yeah, so come along for the ride with me. So day five, I went back out on September 15th, and that's generally when things start to kick off as far as the rut. Now, the reason why the rut, you'll hear people talk about that uh, in the archery community especially, but in the hunting community as well with different animals, is things get crazy for a couple of weeks to a month when the rut happens. And what the rut is, is when the testosterone levels of the males of that species, that in this case are the are the, the elk, uh, their testosterone levels rise. And generally, the males hang out, when it comes to deer and elk, they hang out in bachelor groups uh, throughout the year. And they hang out, they're good buddies, I guess. I don't know what they're saying to each other. <laughs> but they hang out, they generally live at the same elevations and uh, eat the same things, live in the same areas. But when the rut starts to kick off, they it's like a light switch happens and gets flipped and they become mortal enemies. They're, they'll fight to the death sometimes uh, so that they can have breeding rights. And they gather up their herds. In this case with elk, uh, the bulls will gather up the cows and they'll fight for for those breeding rights. And that's when you hear a lot more of the bugling, which if you've never heard an elk, an elk bugle, uh, after you get done listening to this podcast, go and look it up. It's an amazing sound. I compare it to Jurassic Park. It's awesome. It's just this, it just gets your blood flowing. I don't know how else to explain it. It's just an amazing sound. So they, they bugle, they communicate. Every elk has a different bugle. The cows have their own sounds as well. And there's a lot of action going on. And that generally happens around mid-September. 
and can go for a month or so uh, until the breeding season's over, and then they separate again. The cows herd up, and the bulls go off in their bachelor groups again, and they become good friends again, I guess, uh, after they've been fighting with each other for a month. Uh, but basically what what I was excited about was because this year they had extended the archery season into September 22nd. And so it was going to go through the rut this year. And I was excited about that. My first year out getting to experience that things that I've heard about on whether it be YouTube friends talking to me about it, uh, other people that have had this experience. And so I was just super excited. So I made some plans with a buddy of mine that I had met in Mexico when I was serving an LDS mission. And I haven't seen him since then. This has been years. And uh, he said that he wanted to go out with someone. This was the area that he was going in. It was in the same vicinity that I was planning on heading out. And so we decided to meet up uh, that morning. It was bright and early. And I'd picked out a spot that I'd been to previously. I'd seen a lot of sign at. And I thought it'd be a good spot. It had all the you know, north-facing slope and a bunch of other things that you look for, uh, for, for elk habitat. And so we met up, we picked our spots once we hiked up there and, uh, and we were super excited to start the morning off and we found our spots and we decided to sit and glass and listen. And there was no other hunters up there, which can either mean one or two things. It's either really good because there's no other people there or it's really bad because they know there's no elk. And maybe you don't know that. Well, this time it was, there was no elk in this area. Uh, and so we kind of struck out. It was kind of a bummer. Uh, not a peep other than the normal squirrels. And I even had some, uh, I want to say they're called camp robbers or something is what my stepdad calls them. Uh, but they're these birds that'll swoop down literally right next to you or swoop down and take food off of your plate if you're not paying attention. And I had like three of those hanging out around me while I was eating my snacks mid morning. And that was, that was about all the animal activity, no deer, uh, nothing else. And so that was kind of a bummer, but we headed down closer to lunchtime and to get back to the trucks and move to a different area, uh, that we had picked out as kind of our plan B for the day. Uh, on, on the way there, uh, we had this big old cow moose go across the road. So that was cool. We got to see some wildlife. And if you've never seen a moose, uh, they are huge. And so it was, it was awesome to step out of the truck and, uh, to stretch the legs a little bit and to, uh, take a picture of course. And I love taking pictures of, of pretty much everything my wife will tell you, <laughs> but we found the moose, so that was good, and I was you know, got my hopes back up that there is wildlife in this area after not seeing anything. And then, uh, and then we did see some does uh, and a buck and a golden eagle, all on the way to this new area that we were going to go to. And so that was that was promising. We were hoping that that was a good sign. We were getting to where there were animals and. Surely there's got to be elk. So we hiked in, saw lots of sign, again, saw lots of deer. We got to our spots for the evening and we sat for the evening over some, some water holes um, that it hadn't rained for a while. 
So we were hoping that they'd come into water and nothing. So that was kind of a bummer. This was kind of a bummer to strike out on, on the first day back out and having had my excitement up because I'd been waiting for a couple weeks to get back out. But that's okay. It happens. And so we split up that evening. Uh, he was going to a different uh, side of the mountain range and I was going to go meet up with some friends. And so uh, we made it back. We chatted a little bit, said our goodbyes and headed our separate ways. So I got up to this new camp where I was going to meet Clint and a couple of other other buddies of ours. And I pulled in at, I want to say it was one or two in the morning. So it was a bit of a drive and uh, I was just exhausted. So I didn't even bother setting up a tent or anything. I just slept in my cab. So woke up the next morning. And I was feeling kind of drowsy for obvious reasons. I was a little tired. But I said, you know what? I'm going to at least go out in glass. And so I got out in the truck and it was kind of a kind of a lazy morning again. I'm not proud of it, but I was tired. I was I was exhausted from the drive and and, uh, the day before putting the miles uh, miles on the boots. And so I got up to an area um, and I was glassing from the truck nice and warm. <laughs> and I found five cool, five cows and a bull. And then I couldn't determine if there, there was another uh, bull or if it was another cow. It, was a, it would have been a smaller bull, but I couldn't quite see from the distance that I was at. And I got super excited. My tiredness for obvious reasons went away. I texted Clint and Lyle, uh, and let him know what I was up to. And so I kind of rushed ahead to where they were feeding and they were feeding across this, this hillside. And so I was like, I'm going to get ahead of them. I'm going to cut them off. And from where I was looking at, it never, the mountain never seems that big. You think I'm going to get over here and I'll be able to see them if they go below me or above me, I'll definitely have a good beat on them and I'll be able to take take care of business and punch my tag today. I was super excited. So I got up ahead of them, got to a spot where I thought this was the, was the right position and it turns out that it was just a nasty mess of trees and deadfall and just not a good area <laughs> if you're trying to shoot a bow. So kind of my hopes fell a little bit, but then I heard a cow call uh, off in the distance and I was like, okay, that sounded legit. It didn't sound like a, like one of those fake handhelds or uh, like a hunter. So kind of got my hopes up again and then nothing. I didn't even hear any crackling, nothing being stepped on. I heard absolutely no sound. I let out a couple bugles, didn't hear anything. And so, you know, I I looked at my map and thought maybe they could have gone above me or this is where they could have been. And uh, basically, it was just a a bummer. I don't know how else to explain it. I got my hopes up. Uh, I'd seen them, so I knew they were there. And we'd been seeing sign, like I said, the last 
time we were out in this area, we'd seen sign. We knew they were in there. I finally laid eyes on them, and then I couldn't seal the deal. Super frustrating. But if you know anything about hunting, that's kind of how it goes. And then you add the, the complexity of a bow to it, and just hunting elk in general. I don't know how they disappear being such large animals, but they do. And that's what happened. So came down for for lunchtime and uh, regrouped with Clint and Lyle. And uh, we just kind of picked our areas that we were going to go up in and, and we moved spots. Um, we felt like we had kind of beaten the dead horse in that one area. So we moved to a different area. And I picked out a spot on the map that had a nice watering hole. Uh, and so we went there. And that was for, well, we went out early, early afternoon, hiked in, uh, sat at the water hole for a little bit, and then we decided to hike up and around, and this mountain wasn't much better than the previous one. <laughs> it was full of deadfall and rocks. And so we kind of side-hilled across, and uh, then we heard a, a bugle uh, kind of near the bottom, and we couldn't tell if it was a hunter or not. So we called back, and then the second bugle gave it away. It was definitely a hunter. And so we just we didn't call back, and he kept calling and calling. So then we decided to mess with him a little bit. I know this is probably not the best thing to do, but uh, after not seeing any elk and not seeing any elk sign in this area, uh, we just decided to have a little bit of fun. So uh, we messed with him for a little bit, and then I think he realized that we were not elk. And so he stopped. So then we found uh, a different spot to sit. And we hiked a little bit further and found a different spot to sit. You know, obviously having probably blown out that one area with our, our, our antics that we, we were frustrated and, and decided to mess with, with this other hunter. And uh, we sat this area, didn't hear or see anything. Not really any fresh signs, so we decided to head down when it got dark. Uh, as we were heading down, we got almost to the bottom, and we heard some loud rustling. And we obviously, we weren't planning on shooting because it was after dark. But we did want to see, I mean, even if we could just lay eyes on an elk, it would have made our day. So we waited and uh, let out a couple cow calls. Uh, my buddy did. And... We got a couple back, and they sounded really good. We were like, okay, maybe this is a this is a cow. Hopefully she's got a bull with her. And anyway, we ended up running into another hunter. And we were just kind of chatting about the day and, and kind of seeing if he had seen anything or heard anything other than what we had. And he had struck out just like we did uh, and had heard the other hunters. Well, so I run into this guy. Uh, we run into this guy, and, and I, it's very obvious uh, that he, I mean, first of all, I noticed his tennis shoes. I was like, what the heck, why is he, in, why is he wearing tennis shoes? <laughs> and we're out here in, in nice boots, and he's out here crushing in tennis shoes. And then I recognized he was a double, am, double amputee uh, from the knee down. And so for me, I was like, oh, that, like, legit in my mind... I was like, that is awesome that he's not letting that get himself down. Uh, he's not letting it stop him. I don't know what I would do if I lost both my legs. But 
I did know that I was following a guy on Instagram that did similar things where he hunted and and uh, I was like, oh, this would be a cool time to to go in and and kind of talk to him about it, see if he he recognizes this guy off of Instagram. And and granted, again, it's it's dark. Uh, we have our headlamps on. We can't really see each other's faces. And I said, hey, I was like, oh, those are those are awesome uh, prosthetics that you have. And I think it's cool that you're able to do this in tennis shoes and that you're even out here in general. And I said, there's a guy on Instagram that I follow. I said, I think his name is Try No Legs or something along those lines. That is a double amputee and he does the same thing. He goes out and he hunts. He used to do uh, triathlons and he just doesn't let his amputations get in the way. And the guy looks at me and he says, he says, oh yeah, I know that guy. He's such an idiot. That guy is dumb. Like he does the stupidest things and he's just such an idiot. And I just kind of looked, I was like, what the heck? Wow. That's all right. And I just genuinely responded. I was like, I, I don't know the guy, so I can't really comment on that, but that's funny. It's cool that you know him. And then he extends his hand and he says, Hey, I'm trying no feet. (laughs) At that moment, it clicked in my head that this was the guy off of Instagram. (laughs) And anyway, we chatted with him as we walked out that evening back to our trucks. And he's an awesome dude, such an awesome guy. So if you have a chance, go look him up on Instagram. It's try no feet, but it's try uh, with T-R-I, like triathlon. And uh, cool dude. And just joked around and had a good time. So that's how we ended our day six. Or my day six, I guess. Um, I can't speak for everyone else that was out there, how long they'd been out there. Um, but that was my my day six. And uh, at, that, at that time, I was starting to get those inklings like in the evening when I'd go to bed that I was missing my wife and kids. And... And this is why, for me, it's important to, to keep some sort of a journal. Because you don't always remember the little things that you're feeling. And I, I notated this on, on that day that I started to feel that I was missing my family. That can be one of the biggest and hardest things when you're out hunting. Especially if you're out of cell phone range. And knowing that I still had another eight days to go... Uh, kind of was starting to drain on me that I hadn't seen any elk. We didn't have any. Well, I had seen those five in the morning, the five cows, the bull, and possible other bull. But I wasn't having any success, and I was starting to kind of beat myself up over that. And I was missing my family, which never helps the situation. Uh, but I was determined. and I, I went to bed determined. So on the next day, it was day seven of my hunt, uh, we hiked up to bright and early to where I'd seen the cows and the bull the day before. Uh, there's plenty of sign. Looks like it was a good transition spot for them. But they weren't there that morning. And that's kind of how it goes with elk especially. they, When they're pressured the way that they are here in Utah, they can move zip codes. Or they could just simply move to the other side of the canyon or the next hill over and you wouldn't know the difference because they're so quiet. So that's how the morning went. Uh, Woke up, went to that spot, didn't see anything, and kind of hiked around in that 
in that canyon area that that uh, I guess the the valley, the draw, whatever you want to call it, um, hiked around those mountains, put some good miles on, and didn't really hear or see anything. Uh, that day saw a few more deer, but obviously that's not what I was going for. So so ended day seven. Again, not very eventful. Lots of hiking. Lots of not seeing any animals. <laughs> and then day eight rolls around. And I was with uh, Brent and Kenny and Kyle. And we had checked out some good areas on the map that we were going to go to the next day. And we went up into the, the saddle. This one area that was definitely a transition spot from one uh, mountain to the next. Right, or one valley to the next. So deer, elk, any pretty much any animal will look for what's called a saddle. And I've described this before, but it's basically the low point between two high points on a mountain. And obviously if you're walking all day like animals do, you're going to try and find the path of leaf resistance, and that's what a saddle would be. So we went up there. Uh, didn't again didn't see or hear anything that morning either this was day eight and uh, on the way out we did see a couple of does um, but we didn't see any elk which is obviously what we're looking for then as we headed down to transition to a different area to drive over to a different spot I don't even know what plan we're on at this point plan d e f I don't know, somewhere in the alphabet. Uh, it starts to rain. And so we grabbed some food, sat in the truck for a minute, uh, checked our maps, picked out our spots. And they ended up staying at the trailer because uh, they didn't want to deal with the rain. And I drove out to the area that I would picked out for that evening. And so I hiked in, the rain stopped, it was wet and muddy, uh, but the rain had stopped, and I was hoping that meant there would be some activity. And, and so what happened that evening was I, I hiked in, there was plenty of good sign, uh, plenty of good area for them to be, and uh, the rain had stopped, like I said. Didn't run into anybody, didn't run into animals, and I, I think... They had probably just bedded down for the evening, or I was in the wrong spot. Uh, but either way, I'd picked out these uh, these couple of mountainsides, hillsides that we could check out the next morning, and and I saw that there wasn't really any traffic in that area as far as humans were concerned. So that was good, and I uh, went back to to Kenny and and Brent and uh, and Kyle and let them know that information. So. At that point, that evening, uh, they had all rested up, had a good dinner and everything, and I was just cold, wet, and, and tired. And so, uh, at that point, you start getting a little demoralized. If you're, again, out, no signal, and haven't talked to your family in a couple of days, uh, and you're not having any success, it makes it a lot harder. And then add on top of that, being cold and wet, it was not the best, but, uh, I was determined. I just kept telling myself it's going to happen. I'm going to make it happen. I'm not going to let this go. And, 
and I went to bed determined. And then we come into day nine. So that morning we woke up. I just had a good feeling about that day. Um, the weather was looking clear. It had cooled off due to the storm from the day before. And we all went to where I had gone that evening when they stayed at, the, at their trailer. And I'd gone up and, and hiked and kind of scoped out the area. Uh, we went up there and picked out different spots and, and all sat in different different spots. And um, I ended up running into, I want to say it was a three by four or it was a nice looking buck uh, and saw a lot of fresh elk scat, uh, fresh hoof prints. And I was getting really excited. It looked like a great area. It was just that picturesque aspen groves, yellow trees, uh, just amazing area. Wasn't seeing any elk. Wasn't hearing any elk. I was seeing lots of deer, uh, but not the animal I was looking for. So we had told ourselves we were going to get on the radio at a certain time. And we got on the radio and Brent uh, had told us that we should be ready for heavy packs over the radio. And I was like, oh, he's kidding. We haven't had success. He's, he's just joking. And he said, no, he actually he had just tagged out on a cow. And I was super excited. We were all excited over the radio. And uh, we got the location. He dropped us a pin. And uh, we all showed up, helped process the cow, and the cow elk, and, uh, and took it down the mountain. So going, again, with those ups and downs, ups and downs. So I'd hit a low the night before, woke up super determined that morning. It looked great, but it was starting to go down to a low again because I hadn't seen any elk. And then Brent tagged out. So that got me super stoked again. We were all excited. Uh, we knew it was weird that she was, this cow elk was by herself. We figured that there was a, a herd in there that maybe had gotten spooked, pushed, because he said she looked very apprehensive uh, when he saw her walking by. But we didn't hear or see any other elk in that area. So a little confusing. But we decided to to try and, and and go up there again and hopefully find that some sign of the herd or the herd itself. And uh, and that's where we spent the evening was working on again, packing out the elk, then getting back up there and hopefully finding the rest of the herd. So that was day nine. Uh, we didn't end up finding anything else. Uh, it ended on a high because Brent had filled his tag. Uh, but at the same time, I was still kind of frustrated. I was frustrated that I was putting in so many miles. Uh, I was putting in the research on the map. Uh, and I thought I knew where I should be. And I wasn't making it happen. For any of you that have not hunted, that's how it is. That's the reality of it. If you are thinking it's cool to post pictures on social media or that you're always going to get the biggest uh, buck or bull or uh, whatever, if you're going for an antelope or uh, if you're into bird hunting, you know, if you think it's always going to be what's posted on social media, that's not it. The majority of the time, you're not going to see anything. You're going to put in lots of miles and not see any animals 
You're going to get wet. You're going to get cold. It's how you deal with that that makes the trip or breaks the trip. Uh, remember, I was only three days in when I started, three days in the second trip when I started feeling a little homesick. And I don't, I don't get homesick, uh, but I was feeling that. I, I was also cold and wet a couple days. And all of that kind of compounds if you let it. I didn't let it. I was very determined that I was going to make this happen. And it didn't happen all the way through day nine of the second, or day nine of the total trip amount of time. Uh, but this was day five of the second trip out. And again, super frustrated, but very determined. And so on that day nine, I, I definitely went to bed even more determined that day 10 was going to be the day. So this would have been September 19th. I went to bed as day nine of my hunt. I want people out there, if you're new, if you're getting introduced to hunting, to understand that's how it goes. And as long as you understand that going into it, I'm sure you won't have any issues whatsoever. Because you'll know that there's going to be those highs and lows. And maybe, uh, like Dan from Elk Shape said that he got hooked on elk hunting because... 15 minutes into his first elk hunt with a rifle, he dropped a bull. That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> but if it does, it's because, uh, well, luck's on your side. And you're hooked at that point. So just understand that. I want you to, to get out and enjoy hunting if you decide to get into it. And if not, just simply getting out and hiking. That's a lot of what hunting out west is. Hiking, hiking, hiking. And then seeing animals, maybe, if you're lucky. Uh, and if when you do see the animals, it's usually not the ones that you're hunting. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. The next, the next three days that I'm going to share in part three uh, definitely have some interesting pieces to them that I'm excited to share. Uh, so make sure you tune in for that next Sunday. Uh, but again, just wanted to say thank you uh, for all of you that tune in uh, regularly. And for those of you that are new, hopefully you learned something today. Uh, if you have any questions, always feel free to message me over at uh, Instagram at red.beard.outdoors on Facebook as well. I also have a Red Beards Fit crew on Facebook. Um, you can look it up. Asked to join it. I'd be more than happy to help you through your health and fitness journey uh, as you look to live a healthier life. Now, remember, it's not all about being jacked. It's about consistency and just living healthier. And that's what I want for you. So uh, go check me out on those pages. And uh, I'm excited to, to chat with you and answer your questions and any feedback that you may have. Uh, please shoot it my way. Other than that, as I always say, get out, live your life, and love it.